Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where today we're going to do something a little different. Last night, I was fortunate enough to host a television special with our great partner, Real America's Voice. The topic, securing our elections, the grassroots fight for easier, safer voting. And we had some fantastic guests, Senator Rick Scott, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, uh, the lieutenant governor of North Carolina and a very dynamic new personality on the Republican scene, Mark Robinson. We had Congressman Jim Banks uh, and so many other great guests all talking about how we can make our voting easier, expand voting, improve voting, but make it safer with IDs and identity checks and ballot watermarks and other things. Uh, we also talked about a lot of the false narratives that the Democrats, the liberals, the left, Stacey Abrams, and quite frankly, President Joe Biden himself has been flagged for making false statements about the Georgia law. So we tackle those in the special as well. It's really informative. I learned so much from the great uh, speakers. Uh, one of the great interviews last night was with my good friend Jessica Anderson at Heritage Action. Uh, she just really walked through what's happening in the uh, election space, uh, where the election integrity movement goes after Georgia, what's happening in Arizona, Iowa, Indiana, lots of moving parts, lots of moving excitement. Also, the battle between H.R. 1, the Democrats' uh, vision for future election law, and the Save Our Democracy Act, which is the Republican alternative and uh, is much more closely modeled after what they're doing in Georgia or uh, Iowa. Uh, or Arizona. So really great stuff. And we're going to talk through all the things that we've been talking about. Uh, the Zuckerbucks controversy, Zuckerberg Bucks controversy. I think we call it the Zuck Bucks now to make it simpler. Uh, all that private money that went into the elections. Uh, it's a great special. I'm so honored to have been part of it. So honored to have so many great guests. Rep. Jay Kaufman, a state lawmaker from Arizona, led the effort to ban Zuckerberg dollars or private money to election judges. Um, in the state of Arizona, all great guests, an all-star panel. You learn a lot, you get facts, you get solutions, you get truth checks on some of the false information in the media space today, and you're going to come out of this feeling better that the 
things that concerned you, perhaps, at the end of the November 2020 election are being addressed in many of the key critical battleground states, and that should make all of us feel a lot better. All right, we're going to go to that special. You're going to hear it in its entirety right here on John Solomon Reports, and we'll be back on Monday to do a new edition of uh, John Solomon Reports. I think we've got the Attorney General of Tennessee, one of the leaders in the states, to challenging the Biden administration's uh, regulations and um, moves that many states oppose. So we'll have him here on Monday. I hope you have a blessed weekend. Listen to this great special, Securing Our Elections, a very special event for me last night. I think you'll enjoy it. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. Hello, America, and welcome to this Just the News, Real America's Voice primetime special. Securing our elections, the grassroots fight to making voting easier and safer. We want to thank our partner tonight, Heritage Action, for helping make this event possible. Tonight, we're going to be joined by public officials, grassroots activists, and experts who are on the front lines of addressing the irregularities, the controversies, and the legal questions that the messy November 2020 election left behind. Already, courts in Wisconsin, Virginia, and Michigan have ruled that changes made during the pandemic to the way we voted violated state law. Other legal challenges are still pending, and there is growing concern about the influence and intent of $350 million of private money that flowed to state and local election administrators through a network of nonprofits funded by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg. You can imagine that's generated some concern. In response to these revelations, several states are taking action. This battle for election integrity has already picked its ground zero in the great state of Georgia. And here, to kick off our show tonight, we're lucky to be joined by the governor of that state, Brian Kemp. Governor, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much for having me on. It's, a, it's an honor. Uh, there's been so much noise uh, since you signed that election law uh, last month. And I wanted to ask you, what did the law actually accomplish? And what are some of the most false claims that are being said about this landmark legislation? Yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, listen, this bill makes it easy to vote and hard to cheat. Very simple what it does. It's a pretty in-depth bill. It's almost 100 pages, but it replaces an arbitrary signature match process on absentee ballots with a simple, simple voter ID requirement, which we've had in Georgia since the mid-2000s for early, uh, I mean, for in-person voting. It uh, secures uh, ballot drop boxes and puts them into the statute for the first time in state's history. It uh, also requires county elections officials to continuously count the vote until every ballot has been tabulated, so no starting and stopping. And then, obviously, you've heard a lot about this, even though the left doesn't say this. It actually expands in-person voting opportunities in our early voting period on the weekends. Yeah, that's such an important thing. It really does make voting easier. There's more opportunities if you're a mom and dad or uh, a working person to get out on the weekend and vote. 
Uh, that doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, Stacey Abrams and other liberal activists obviously have waged these protests both in the court of law and the court of pe uh, public opinion. What are you and your team doing to fight back and correct that record? Well, it's interesting. All these, you know, whether it's Stacey Abrams and her, you know, cancel culture groups that are out there trying to pressure these corporations. Unfortunately, we've had some of them that have folded to the whole woke movement and they're raising, you know, tons of money off of this, lining our own pockets and our own small business owners, especially minority businesses, are getting hurt in this by the Major League Baseball All-Star game being moved to a state that has less early voting days than we do and the photo ID requirement. But we're really just, I'm pushing back with the truth. I mean, none of these people are citing any specifics, not one single specific in the bill that, you know, they are, they are targeting other than saying, things that are lies, quite honestly, about you can't have water when you're in line or pressing the voters, taking drop boxes away, uh, which is ridiculous. When you look at the, the, the really the context of the bill, uh, drop boxes would have gone away if we had not passed some sort of elections uh, bill because it was only through emergency rule during the pandemic that this was done by the state election That's board. That's right. We're just securing those, which everyone seems to be in favor of. Uh, you, voters can still bring food and water when they're standing in line. The county elections officials can set up a water station for voters. And this is only within 150 feet. If you're 151 feet away, you can give away pizza. You can wave campaign signs. You can hand water and food out. Voters can, you know, order uh, a pizza or, or Grubhub or Uber Eats if they want to there when they're in line. But the other thing that they're not talking about is why are people in line that long? That's outrageous. It's because of the Democrats running these county elections offices. They can't figure out how to have an efficient uh, process until people are standing in line for three, four, five, six hours. Well, this law addresses that. It mandates that if they have wait times over an hour, they've got to make changes. They've got to split precincts or add voting machines and other things. Uh, so they're not being truthful with people in that regard. And then it's really just addressing a lot of other issues that we did see on election day that fundamentally needed to be changed. We had a new voting system and this happens many times after large elections. You're always refining, making things better and uh, addressing, you know, modern day trends, whether it's early voting or other things, which is why we did the signature match replacement with the voter ID because we had a 351% increase in absentee ballots. The wow. Signature, yeah. The, the signature match process is, was not made up to handle 40% of the vote. It was made up to handle 5 to 10%. Uh, and we have addressed that. And the, a lot of these ideas that you're not being told either actually came from county elections officials and probate judges that run the elections in Georgia's 159 counties. And they think that this is going to be not only more secure, but it's going to speed the process up and make the vote count go quicker. And there's also a way to, you know, post-election take a look at that if there is some sort of irregularity or recount or what have you. Yeah. I mean, the word customer friendly comes to mind because a lot of the things you're trying to do is to make it easier uh, for voters to get this done. The, the wait in line thing is such an important thing. What a great idea. If you can get through Disney World in 20 minutes, it's, it's, we should be able to get voters through. And those are the sort of things that as people yeah, learn about them. Kind of base that down here on, you know, we're trying to refine the, the voting process like Chick-fil-A's Three. There you go. Chick-fil-A. Absolutely. Um, I want to ask you one question because other states are now in the process of doing what you did with the minute or so we have left. 
Tell us what lessons you've learned that you could offer to other states that are in the process of trying to make voting easier and more secure. Well, I would just tell the other policymakers, you need to be ready for a fight because it doesn't matter to this crowd what the truth is. Uh, and, and there's good proof of that here in Georgia. The domain name Jim Crow 2.0 was reserved weeks before the final bill was even drafted and uh, weeks before I ever signed it into law. So this playbook was already written. It's already written in their state. It doesn't matter what's in the bill. They're going to push this narrative. It is time for conservatives and people that just simply want to have secure, accessible and fair elections to stand up and fight and tell people what the truth is and why they're making these changes and just be honest with people. And that is what I'm going to continue to do. And that's probably the best advice that I could could give anybody because there'll be a lot of public pressure, national media, you know, whoa, it's going to be terrible for the state. And uh, I, I just think to me, the fight's worth any threat of boycotts or other things. Because we have the best business environment in the country right here in Georgia. You I'm do. very confident that, and I think most people realize that. And they are not with these large corporations that have, that have been folding up like a wet dish rag. Well, Governor, uh, we've been hard at work at trying to get the facts out about this bill, what your real intentions are. And I can't thank you enough for sharing the thoughts, the lessons that you've already learned, and for getting us really educated about what the bill does. That's a great service to us here. Well, thank you guys and thank Heritage Action for everything you're doing to support us and really just to help us get the truth out. We appreciate being in the foxhole with you. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Now, the efforts in states like Georgia have been backed by an army of grassroots activists who want common sense reforms to restore trust in the American voting system. When we come back from the commercial break, we're going to be talking to Jessica Anderson, the executive director of our partner, Heritage Action for America and the field general for many of these grassroots activities. But first, as we've mentioned, Georgians have made their voice heard, proving that sometimes a grassroots movement can make all the difference. Take a look. As President Joe Biden pushes the Senate to pass a sweeping voting rights bill, Heritage Action for America is investing $10 million to protect voting in swing states. The ability to have faith in our electoral system is really key to our American Republic. We've got to strengthen Georgia's election laws. Requiring proof of identity for absentee voting. Preventing interest groups from interfering in elections for all voters. One citizen, one vote. It's time that we get this done. We have a necessity for a comprehensive bill on election integrity. And I base that on what I had seen in the previous two elections. I believe voting is a sacred right that should be made available. Ladies and gentlemen, the bill greatly expands accessibility of voters in Georgia and greatly improves the process. I'm proud of my work in this area. I will not allow myself to be canceled. We quickly began working with the House and Senate on further reforms to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. Well, I do absolutely agree that it's racist. It is a redux of Jim Crow in a suit and tie. Republicans recently passed a bill to eliminate early voting on Sunday. Deciding on Sunday. that they're going to end voting at 5 o'clock when working people are just getting off work.
the Heritage Action for America Foundation, which is a wing of the Heritage Foundation, is coordinating the writing oh, of the legislation are, uh, Georgia right to now. And so we've got these bills that are causing quite a controversy. Even just yesterday, the lead sponsor of the House bill, Barry Fleming, he was fired from his day job for supporting the securing election. $10 million to protect voting in swing states. Wow, pretty fascinating to see all those folks in action. We're going to go to that quick commercial break. When we come back, Jessica Anderson, Executive Director of Heritage Action for America, joining us live. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right. Welcome back to the Securing Our Election special here at Just the News and Real America's Voice. Joining us now is Jessica Anderson. She is the Executive Director of Heritage Action for America, our partner tonight. And I like to call her the field general for that grassroots army that has been assembled to fight for easier, safer voting across America. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. Great to be here. It's great to have you. Let's get started with Georgia. We just heard from Governor Brian Kemp. Tell us how the grassroots was activated in Georgia and what it did to push that law uh, to, to reality. Well, Georgians across the state recognize the importance of getting a, a strong voter integrity bill to Governor Kemp's desk. And so the first thing that they did is actually put together a list of proposals that they wanted to see the state of Georgia tackle. A lot of this was based on the chaos and the concerns coming out of November. But some of these issues were also things that Georgians have wanted for over a decade, strengthening absentee balloting, taking the private influence and private money out of their elections. And so they put together a coalition letter, sent it to George, the Georgia legislature. They helped then craft the bills that ultimately made their way to government, Governor Kemp's desk with an incredible amount of support from grassroots activists all across the Peach State, eager for the governor to sign this and eager to re restore trust and security to the ballot box. And I think that was accomplished in a real way. And the progressive left knows it. They've noticed it. And now we are in the position to defend this bill with all of our might and not allow the progressive left's agenda to smear the very good people of Georgia's work to get this done to secure the election. Yeah, that's a really important uh, point. Uh, farmers will always tell you things always best uh, grow from the ground up, not from the top down. And I think the way Georgia came together really is a political version of the great farming exercise. Now, uh, as this thing has played out, there's been a lot of misinformation about the law, what it does and doesn't do. Uh, even President Biden has gotten some Pinocchios recently and fact checkers for some false claims about the law. What are the biggest misperceptions and misinformation about what the law does? So unfortunately, the progressive left has taken it, it, this as their mantle, led by activist Stacey Abrams, to do a smear campaign on the bill. And they're calling the bill racist. They're saying that the bill is voter suppression, that it doesn't allow people to get to the ballot. That couldn't be further from the truth. 
When you look at the tenants of the bill, it actually adds additional Saturdays, two Saturdays, in fact, that you can vote, optional Sundays. So if you want to do uh, souls to the polls, which is very popular in communities across the state, you can still do that. The left has also said that you can't give out water uh, to people standing in line. Well, actually, can, you can't, uh, as a campaign, give out water, but the election officials that are put there from the county and the state can still give out water. And if this provision just simply follows the electioneering rules that are part of the state and are frankly in other states across the country. So there's been a lot of misnomers about it. They've, they've claimed that the bill will make it harder to vote. That's not true. It makes it easier to vote and harder to cheat. John, that was the goal here. Easier to vote, harder to cheat. And it's a grassroots driven effort. And I'm really proud of the work that they did in Georgia to get this done. It is remarkable. And that's something, hey, listen, that, that mantra, that goal of this law is something I think lots of people share. Our polling has showed time and again, easier, safer voting is a winner. There's no doubt about it here. We see that all the time in our polls at Just the News. Now, you have a big victory like this and everybody thinks, well, you're gonna rest on your laurels, you're done, but you guys are far from done. You're activating the grassroots in lots of other places. Uh, and also, you're fighting here in Washington against the Democratic election law, H.R. 1. Tell us where your battle goes next. So the reality is the battle to secure our election is on two different uh, stages or two different playing fields. Federally, we have to block the Corrupt Politicians Act or H.R. 1, S. 1 with all of our might. We're going to continue to do that by targeting and working with vulnerable and moderate Democrat senators like Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema of Arizona, Hassan of New Hampshire, Tester, right. Montana, keep the pressure high on them for the federal, blocking that federal overreach of our election. And then as we turn to the states, we recognize that Iowa, Georgia have passed significant election integrity reform packages, and we want to use that momentum and take the fight to Arizona, to Florida, and to Texas next. They are all moving forward with similar election integrity provisions. And just in Arizona, we saw this last week, actually led by Representative Jake Hoffman and then signed by Governor Ducey, a fabulous bill which kicks the special interests, kicks Mark Zuckerberg money out of the state of the Arizona. That is a grassroots driven initiative as well. And I'm proud to say that the good people of Arizona, of Texas, of Florida will not be deterred will not be deterred from the progressive left smear campaign to intimidate us in how they are responding to the Georgia law. So if anything, I think this has emboldened uh, Americans across the country to get these reforms done at the state level. We have a short time period all in these legislative sessions this spring, and we're going to do that all with the backdrop of the Washington, D.C. fight here around H.R. 1, the Corrupt Politicians Act. So it's two, it's two, uh, two different playing fields here, but we're up to the task because our country depends on it, John. Yeah, this is such an important fight, Jessica. It is, as many people have said, even on this show, the civil rights battle of our time. And it mm -hmm. turns out that making election, uh, elections more secure is not only popular, it protects the right, a very important right we got from our amazing founding fathers. Jessica, I can't thank you enough for, one, your partnership on this program, uh, helping us educate the American public on where things stand. And we look forward to the rest of the show. We've got some more big guests coming up, including Congressman Jim Banks of the great state of Indiana, right after this commercial break.
right, folks, welcome back. And so glad you can join us tonight for the Secure Our Elections special. Our next guest is one of the most influential Republicans in Congress these days, the chairman of the Republican Study Committee and the author of the Save Democracy Act, Congressman Jim Banks of the great state of Indiana. Congressman, welcome to the show. Hey, John, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an honor to have you, sir. Uh, listen, you are the captain of the House GOP's ideas machine, the study committee. And earlier this year, you dove headfirst into the irregularities and issues and concerns that plagued the 2020 election. Tell us about the Save Democracy Act and what it does to make voting easier and cheating harder for the long haul. Well, uh, John, first of all, um, we wrote this bill uh, working with our friends at the Heritage Foundation, Freedom Works, other organizations on the right. We started drafting and working on this piece of legislation before January 6th, and we wanted to we wanted to introduce a piece of legislation that could bring Republicans together who agree that we have a moral duty to restore trust in our elections, the underpinning of our democratic process. And we believe we've done that with the Save Democracy Act. It's very simple. Uh, there are really three planks of the bill. First, we would ban uh, the use of unsolicited mail-in ballots. Um, secondly, we would increase voter identification uh, aspects in federal elections and require, a require, uh, require identification when people vote by mail. Right. And then third, and I think equally important, is we, we, uh, we, we stop uh, the use of, of uh, pauses on, a, on election night when they start saying that once you start counting ballots, you can't stop. I mean, I know a lot of voters that I talked to went to bed on election night last November believing in one outcome, and then they woke up the next morning seeing a different outcome. Yeah. And then, John, they found out that all along, some of these states quit counting ballots in the middle of the night. That's a bad recipe uh, for uh, uh, restoring trust in our elections. And, and we believe the Save Democracy Act, with now with 66 co-sponsors in the House of Representatives, would go a long way to restore trust in our elections. We have a moral duty to push uh, bills like this one. Yeah, and that, you're right. Confidence is what we all need. Uh, and uh, you know, Democrats complained about 16. Republicans have great concerns about 2020. These are some easy fixes that you've laid out that, that really give us a road to a higher degree of confidence. Now, Democrats, of course, have offered a starkly different version of voting rights, as they call it in their legislation, known as H.R. 1. How, concern, how concerned are you about the, that law and what it might do to transform elections? Uh, I'm, I'm extremely concerned about it. Uh, the Democrats appear to be hell-bent on passing H.R. 1. They passed it out of the House right. last term. They've already passed it out of the House this term. And the only thing blocking it are the filibuster rules in the Senate and a couple of Democrat senators who, who so far are not yet on board with some of the drastic and radical measures in H.R. 1 that would transform the way that elections are conducted in America once and for all. And at the end of the day, John, what's important to know about H.R. 1 is that it would give Democrats permanent power, and that's why it is their top priority. I mean, they, that's what they want. They've made this their number one priority, giving it the symbolic uh, name H.R. 1. That means it's, it's, it's their, their number one priority for the Congress, and they're, they're going to do everything that they can to pass it. It would nationalize elections. It would force uh, states, even if they don't want to, to go toward all mail-in ballot measures. But it does some other things, too, that have nothing to do uh, with uh, how elections are conducted. It gives Washington, D.C. statehood, which is one of their big pushes. Right. And it and it gives uh, matching uh, campaign contributions paid for by taxpayers like you and me 
uh, at a six to one match uh, to candidates like Bernie Sanders. Even if you don't agree with with a candidate like Bernie Sanders, you'll be matching with your tax dollars, the campaign contributions that they receive. So overall, H.R. 1 is a dangerous bill. It is the single most bill that I worry the most about these Democrats passing uh, while they have control of the White House, the Senate and the House. And we just have to keep fighting back and telling the real story about what it would do and how it would transform elections forever in this country um, uh, to make sure that it doesn't pass. Yeah, wow, that's the single biggest fear you have. That's a big, uh, that's a big law. Well, let me ask you about this. The Senator Manchin has said I don't, he won't support a voting law if it doesn't have bipartisan support and he won't change the filibuster. Senator Sinema has made similar comments at least about the filibuster. Do you feel like you can hold the line in the Senate now that the bill has moved there? Well, yeah, I, I know Manchin said it. I know what Cinema has said as well. And, right. and, and John, probably like you and a lot of the listeners tonight, uh, just because a politician says one thing doesn't mean they're going to keep their word on it. So point. that's why I worry about it. If they, if they do, if they are pressured enough by President Biden, uh, Speaker Pelosi, or uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, if if some grand bargain is presented to these senators, we already know that Joe Biden has hired Senator Manchin's wife for a high-profile right. job. What else would they do to buy him off to get him to uh, change his mind about changing the filibuster rules just so they can they can push HR one through and make it law? That's what we should worry about, and that's why uh, we we've got to hope and pray that that uh, these two these two Democrat senators keep their word and the Republicans stay together on important issues like these in the Senate to make sure it doesn't pass. Yeah, no, that is key. Unanimity is going to be the key to, I think, holding line for Republicans. Now, there's been a wave of demagoguery from Democrats, from Joe Biden all the way down to Stacey Abrams, designed to portray Republicans as the modern-day Jim Crow obstructionists, trying to make it harder to vote. We know factually that isn't true, but how do you combat that in the court of public opinion? Well, one thing is very clear to me, and that is that voter identification laws are very popular. I mean, this is a 70% issue in America. Most yeah. Americans believe whether you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, whether you're white, black, Latino, um, Asian, overall, the, the, poll, the polling bears this out. I mean, how, how, can, how can voter identification laws be racist when a majority of African Americans in this country also support voter identification laws? It just doesn't make sense. And when you push back on Democrats on these crazy uh, offensive claims like racism uh, related to voter identification, they can't explain it. I mean, if you ever, I mean, John, it's almost humorous to push back on them and ask them to explain how in the world voter identification is racist because they can't explain it and they sound foolish when they try to explain it. But this is what Democrats do. This is what they do on the left when they can't win an argument on the merits of the issue. They use hyperbole. They, they, they use attacks like these to try to make their point. It doesn't work. And I, I, I really believe that most Americans see through it. But what's even more bothersome to me than what the Democrats say is, that, is what uh, corporate America is doing as well. We saw uh, Coca-Cola uh, in yeah. Georgia fight back against a, a very common sense election bill. And fortunately, you have a, a, a governor in Georgia with a strong backbone and Governor Kemp who's pushed back against the pressure of corporate America for them to compromise on these important issues. We have the same thing happening, happening in Indiana. It's not getting as much attention, but a big pharmaceutical company headquartered in Indiana, Eli Lilly, right. has been testifying right. against a, a strong voter identification law in the state of Indiana. And so far, they've been somewhat successful in weakening a bill that's very popular in our state. And you have to ask yourself, why, why are corporations like Coca-Cola 
and Eli Lilly, um, so passionate about uh, doing away with voter identification laws. It's quite striking. I, I don't have a good answer for you about exactly why, other than they've decided uh, because Democrats are in power, they're going to they're going to placate and uh, they're they're going to do the Democrat Party's uh, bidding on some of these issues and uh, and do whatever they can to eliminate voter identification laws. Yeah. It doesn't make sense yeah. in the long run. I hope I hope these corporations feel the pressure from the American people pushing back on some of these outrageous claims. I think a lot of people are asking the same questions you are about of corporate America. Congressman, so glad you could spend this time with us. I think, feel like we learned a lot from you. Uh, when we come back, we are going to take you down south for a second to the great state of Florida and the Senator Rick Scott, who's joining us in just a second. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as just discussed in the prior segment, there's a movement underway in this country to make voting both easier and safer for the long haul. Our next guest is right at the center of that effort, the former governor of the great state of Florida, one of its current U.S. senators, and one of the co-sponsors of the Save Democracy Act we've been talking about, Senator Rick Scott. Senator, thanks so much for joining us. It's, it's great to be with you. Pretty basic. We like people to vote, but we don't want any fraud. That means zero fraud. I mean, we all want to make sure that our vote doesn't get diluted and no one else's vote should get diluted. That's a pretty simple concept. And we live in an era where the technology, all those things are available. You know, the, the parties are debating this. The Democrats have H.R. 1, as you know, and you have uh, you and the other Republicans have the Save Democracy Act. What are the fundamental differences in the way Democrats and Republicans are approaching this voter integrity issue? I actually think that the Democrats like fraud. I mean, think about let's go through H.R. 1 for a second. So you don't have to have an ID. Actually, it's illegal to ask for an ID. You can register the day you want to vote, which means you really can't check to see if the person has a right to be registered. Right. Uh, we're going to use your tax dollars to fund attack ads under H.R. 1. I don't think many people like that. You're going to have allow people that are illegals to vote. You're going to mandate ballot harvesting. Right. And you have no ability to verify the voter rolls. Now, just in the opposite direction, Save Democracy Act, you're, we're going to have voter ID. You're going to have accurate voter rolls. We're going to have safeguards for absentee ballots. We're going to have no ballot harvesting. And we're going to be, you know, when they count the ballots, they're, they're going to be done on a transparent basis. So under H.R. 1, it'll be a period of time before you ever find out who won. And you'll never know if it was fair. Under the Save Democracy Act, we'll know that night and you'll know your vote, your vote's not diluted. Pretty basic. It is pretty simple, and yet it's been made so complicated by the media in a lot of the, the debate, which hasn't been on honest terms. When we do polling here at Just the News, we see that people are in favor of voter IDs. They're in favor of safer voting. How uh, do you get this message out? How do you win the messaging war so that you can get this into law and get 2022 on solid ground? Well, first off, you know, Republican senators are talking about it every day. I'm the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and we actually have ads up right now in four states. 
Uh, we have it in Arizona, in Georgia, in New Hampshire, and Nevada. And we're saying that, you know, we said their, their Democrat senators actually want uh, to not have ID, and they want uh, your tax dollars to be used to run attack ads. And so that's not what Americans want. So we're, you know, we're doing a bunch of things. We're, we're explaining to everybody, and then we're running ads in four states to make sure people understand how their senators thinking about it. And it's not the way that the citizens of those states are thinking about it. So hopefully they'll contact their senator and tell them, hey, get on board. You need to have voter ID. You need to make sure we have more election security here. Yeah, that's a pretty simple message to deliver. And I think when people hear it clearly, uh, they start to get comfortable with it. Now, there's a lot of rhetoric on the left, particularly in the last couple of weeks, that asking for a voter ID or sending an absentee ballot to someone who didn't ask for it, if you, if you try to stop that, that that's some form of a new Jim Crow suppression. How do you respond to that argument? And do your constituents in Florida, which have a very good system, do they see it the same way? Oh, absolutely. I mean, one, I've done like you have. We've done national polls. Um, you know, almost all Americans think only Americans should vote. They think we ought to have, you know, voter ID. We shouldn't have ballot harvesting. You ought to be able to vet people before they're registered to vote. Um, so it, these are pretty basic things. It's not racist when you ask somebody for an ID because if you think about it, if it's racist, then when a bank asks you for an ID, is that racist? When you, you go to the baseball park uh, to pick up your tickets and ask for your ID, is that racist? If you get on uh, an airline's and they ask you for your ID, is that racist? No, that's not racist. I mean, they, it's, think about it. What they're suggesting is some people don't have IDs. Well, like, as you know, in the Georgia law, they'll, they'll give you an ID. I mean, we don't have, you know, they surely don't have the problem to be able to get open bank accounts and get on airlines and, you know, get in the credit card. So they shouldn't have a problem uh, in if they want to vote. I mean, it's, it's pretty important. We want to know who... You know, we want to have a, a large, I mean, have a free and fair election for the next person that's going to be in the White House. Yeah, that's so key. And I think, you know, if you look back in 2016, the Democrats didn't feel good about the election in 2020. Republicans getting this address will get everybody in America feeling uh, more comfortable. Could you handicap for us the state of the H.R. 1 bill in the Senate? Do you think it gets there? Will the filibuster uh, debate come into play in this? What are the chances that one or the other of these laws gets into uh, into the books before the next election? You know, I'm optimistic that Save Democracy Act, which is will create voter integrity, will get done. Uh, but it's really up to the American public. If the American public shows up, if they let their House members and let their senators know, and they let President Biden know, that they actually want more election security, which I can tell you from polling, they do. If they actually get engaged, uh, then we're going to get a good election security bill done. Uh, I'm optimistic that, that we'll get it done, but everybody has got to show up. If you believe that you ought to have an ID, call your senator and let them know. Call your House member. Let them know that you think you ought to have an ID. You, if you just say, look, I want more election security. I want 100% participation. I want zero fraud. Should be, try to make it as easy as possible to vote, but you can't, you can't, we got to make it hard to cheat. Yeah, that's the key. And I think people would love to have both of those things. And you look at some of the early legislations in the states, there is an effort to achieve both of those and balance that. Uh, one question that, that comes up often is, are Democrats, when you look at this federalizing the election and trying to take away from very capable states like Florida the power to govern how people vote, uh, how do you see that when you look at the Constitution, the Founding Fathers, what your own beliefs are? Uh, do you like the idea of federalizing elections? You know, I always told everybody I love my mom. I didn't like her telling me what to do. <laughs> I think 
you know, if you think you know, we ought to go back and the states are working hard to make sure their their elections are free and fair and we ought to let them do it. Um, so I think that it's important to make people feel comfortable uh, to require IDs. I think it makes them feel comfortable that there's safeguards if you have you know, absentee mail-in ballots. Um, so I think we have to go through and figure out what makes people feel good about the election so you so people get out to vote. I want people to vote. When I ran, of course, I'd like every vote for me, but reality is get people out there to vote. Uh, we had record turnouts in 2020. Uh, so clearly anything that these states were doing was not suppressing the vote then. And I don't believe anything they're going to be doing is going to be suppressing the vote. I think what they're trying to do is just make sure your vote's not diluted. Yeah, that really is the key. I got about 30 seconds. Out. I just want to ask you, Florida has done a great job after the hanging Chad crisis of 2000. Are there any good things we can learn from your great state? Yeah, I think they've done they've done a really good job with their with their, you know, their mail-in ballots. I mean, we have a good good system. But if you look at what we did, we have voter ID. You can't ballot harvest. You got to have your vote in on time. You know, you're, you've got your signature's got to match. And so we've done all the things to say, get out and vote. We have early voting. Come out and vote. But look, you got to make sure, you, you know, you, you only get to vote once and you only get to vote if you have a right to vote. Yeah, that's such an important concept. And so many Americans, I, I've been on, out talking to people in different states the last few weeks, and that sentiment is really strong, Senator. I think you're on to something. I can't thank you for your time and your insights enough to thank you for doing what you do. And we're going to get back to you, I think, over the next few months and watch how your bill progresses through the, through the Congress. Uh, I'm optimistic. That's wonderful. Folks, we're going to go to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we've got another big election issue to cover for you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back from the break. We now turn our attention to the controversy over Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg's $350 million infusion of private money into last year's election. That money was routed through nonprofit groups like the Center for Tech and Civic Life, and it ultimately ended up in the hands of the neutral county and city election officials, basically funding the referees for this upcoming election. Joining us now is Phil Klein from the Amistad Project, the man who first shined a light on this very important issue. Uh, we just, uh, Phil, great to have you on the show. I want to ask you, you if you could give us just a brief update. What have we learned about the Zuckerberg money and what's the reaction been to it? Well, the Zuckerberg money joined with other money from the left to fund a shadow government to dictate the operations of the election in the swing states in the urban core in cooperation with local partisan election officials to purchase their offices, dictate how the election would run for the benefit specifically to turn out the vote for Joe Biden. And the problem with this, John, as you know, is this is government putting its thumb on the scale. This is private money paying government official salaries paying what they called hazard pay for working in a COVID environment, buying the machines, paying for the counting facilities, dictating how they're going to turn out the vote and who they're going to reach out to to emphasize Democrat turnout. And they purchased government operations to get the job done. In fact, Zuckerberg alone gave more money than the federal government appropriated for the election 
in 2020. They ran the elections and they did it specifically to benefit then former Vice President Joe Biden and now President Joe Biden. And you have to remember this election was decided nationally by about 40,000 votes in these key areas. And it ties directly to a book written by, by President Obama's former campaign chief, David Plouffe, who went to work for Zuckerberg and in March of 2020 published a book called The Citizen's Guide for Donald to Defeat Donald Trump. And he said, right. put money in this area to turn out the vote in these areas and Biden will win or the Democrat will win. And that's exactly what Zuckerberg did. They it's bought. amazing. Government. Just amazing. It was sitting out and open. Phil, thanks for that update. Uh, we're going to turn now to our state representative, Jake Hoffman, from the state of Arizona, who led a successful effort to ban private money going to election judges and administrators. Rep Hoffman, uh, Representative Hoffman, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You know, well, let's start. Uh, you, an amazing accomplishment in a short period of time. What inspired you to sponsor this law and get it through the legislature so quickly? That's, uh, you know what, this is... Uh, I didn't intend to be an election integrity uh, legislator, to be very honest with you. But they say that the times make uh, the men, right? It's it's not necessarily what you intend to do. And 2020, we saw a number of irregularities and a number of firsts from lockdowns to you know coronavirus and what have you. But one of the most concerning trends that we saw was big tech billionaires investing nearly half a billion dollars uh, into the administration and management of elections because it, it allows the individuals funding it to have an outsized influence in terms of uh, you know, where those drop boxes are placed and what type of messaging goes out to what type of potential voters uh, for get out the vote. So we took the step to simply ban that practice. Um, we, this was the first year that it happened and we don't want it to continue. Uh, and I'm grateful that we got, you know, we had broad support from our Republican caucus. Um, we have great legislators that I get to work with down here and uh, that the governor signed it into law. Yeah, such a big yes. moment. And it's the first of what we expect to be several bills uh, that will address different aspects of what happened in the 2020 election. Uh, what are some of the other things that might be working their way through the legislature now? Yeah, so we've got a, a prohibition on the mass mailing of ballots to voters that didn't request it. That's House Bill 2792. Uh, and it includes a, a felony provision for violating the statute. You know, the wow. American people, people of Arizona are absolutely ticked off that there's this double standard with the political class. So we've made sure that, that any county recorder considering going rogue should this law, uh, should this bill pass, uh, knows that there is a class five felony attached to going rogue and violating the law. We have another bill that would ban the modification of or even agreeing to modify statutorily prescribed election dates and deadlines. Another concerning trend that we saw all across the country in 2020. Um, and you know, to the Republicans' credit, uh, Republicans, when Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs extended the voter registration period, uh, you know, illegally, uh, Republicans got the advantage in the five days that it was extended. But you know what? We still recognize that that is not her uh, legal role to play in the process. And so regardless of whether it benefited us or not, we're clamping down on that so that it doesn't happen in the future. Yeah, that's so important. And we just learned so many things that happened during the pandemic related um, uh, issues that, uh, that gave other people a chance to kind of intrude on the state legislature's authority to do things. On the law that bans the Zuckerberg money, can you walk us through the specifics of what it achieves? 
Well, look, the specifics are very simple. This isn't a 500 page or 2000 page <laughs> Washington DC bill. It's yep. one sentence and it says, notwithstanding any other law, this state, uh, counties, cities, uh, school districts and subdivisions of the state shall not accept or expend private monies for the administration and management of elections, including registering voters. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank the groups, the conservative, fearless groups like Americans for Limited Government and Heritage Action, who came in and were indispensable in helping us secure not only this bill being passed and signed into law, but also all of the other measures that we're working on. They, they've flooded us with thousands of phone calls and emails, and that is absolutely a crucial part. You know, this is the civil rights issue of our time, whether we want it to be or not. And the people of Arizona care about this issue. And so it is incumbent upon us to stand up and do the will of the people and ensure that they can have confidence in not only the outcome, but the process of our elections. You know, and when you look back at history, it's always the movements that start with real people on the ground, the grassroots, that always seem to have the most lasting effect. And I know uh, watching what's been going on in your state, there's a very strong grassroots effort to make sure that all the checkboxes for a easier, safer election are going to be um, uh, checked with that amount of energy, enthusiasm. What's been the reaction inside Arizona uh, and outside? What are people looking and saying, hey, we want to replicate what you did? Yeah, so I have had a number of lawmakers from across the country reach out. Um, you know, the Thomas More Society has called uh, uh, our bill, House Bill 2569, the model for the rest of the country because it doesn't allow any loopholes in banning this private funding. And that's very important because what we found, you know, just like with any regulation, Sarbanes-Oxley or Dodd-Frank, you know, what we found is that bad actors will try and find a way around it. And in this case, we don't provide any, any wiggle room or any sunlight for them to squeak by. And so I think that's something that we are going to see legislators across the country hopefully pull that very simple one sentence and pass it in their states as well. Yeah, that's important. Now, because you've been through the process, you've had a success, Mark, uh, there are these other legislators that are now reaching out to you. What advice can you give to other states, other municipalities that might be looking to do something similar? Uh, what lessons have you learned that you can pass on in the battle to, to ban these Zuckbucks, as they call them? <laughs> <laughs> well, the simple uh, lesson that I would pass on is one, don't overcomplicate it. Don't try and create some, uh, you know, multi-paragraph law. Keep it simple, keep it direct, keep it to the point. And the other thing is communicate. You know, the, the vast majority of the people of Arizona, and I would imagine the vast majority of the people in this country, agree that we shouldn't allow billionaires of either party to come in, whether it's Republican billionaires or Democrat billionaires. The stakes are clear. This isn't about the money. This is no. about the influence. It's about the influence. We don't want our election referees uh, taking private money. That's for sure. Representative Hoffman, thank you so much for your time and for that really valuable update. We're going to be keeping an eye on all the great things going on in Arizona. All right, folks, it's time for our last commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this Secure Our Election special with a very special interview with a prominent political leader who scoffs at the idea that minority voters can't get IDs. You're not going to want to miss our interview with North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson up next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back to the finale of our Secure Our Election special. So grateful you've joined us. Now, from the media and liberal elites, we keep hearing that Americans can only have one choice on election integrity. Either it's easier voting or safer elections, but not both. Our next guest is living proof that that is a false choice. Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina ran last year on a promise to restore voter ID in his state. And you know what? He won. Lieutenant uh, uh, Governor Robinson, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It is an honor to have you. You ran last year, as I said, and won on a voter ID platform in a state that's sometimes blue or purple. What was your message and why did it prevail? Uh, my, my message was simple. Voter ID is common sense for the common good. Uh, those folks out there that know me know that I'm a huge uh, supporter of gun rights and our Second Amendment. But uh, the major portion of making sure that the integrity of, of our Second Amendment is protected is making sure that when you purchase a firearm, you show an ID to prove that you are not a wanted criminal or somebody who is not able to buy a firearm legally. Uh, that law stands and that law is good and it keeps the integrity of our Second Amendment. We likewise need a law that makes sure that uh, the right to vote is secured by making sure that when you come to vote, your vote is protected by making sure you are that right person. You are voting legally. You are voting in the place where you're supposed to vote. That can only be done from my assessment through making sure that we have ID, uh, voter ID in this state and in this nation. It makes so much sense. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, and I've heard you say this, that this is actually an improvement for voting rights, not a degradation. But our president and some of the liberal activists are out there saying that voter ID or having a voter ID requirement is the equivalent of Jim Crow 2.0. Now, you grew up in poverty. You worked in a factory. You've argued for self-reliance as a key to success. Do you believe it's racist or disenfranchising to ask voters for an ID? I think it's racist and to, to say the opposite. Look, uh, we're talking about folks that are saying that uh, there are vast numbers of, of black people in this country, in this state that can't obtain a free ID to secure their vote. I, I reject that notion. Uh, black Americans have overcome some of the worst incidents, uh, some of the worst history in this nation, slavery, Jim Crow. Uh, and not only do we overcome those things, we have overcome those things and through strength and prosperity, we have thrived in this nation. And uh, we are strong people. Uh, and it, to send out the notion that that black people can't get an ID to, to vote and quite frankly, a free ID, which the government has offered to vote, is, is just absolute nonsense. And I reject that wholeheartedly. And, and I believe most of the people of North Carolina do as well. Yeah, I think most of the people across the country, we had a poll at Just the News that showed well over 70% of Americans support uh, voter ID, whether they're black, Latino, white, poor, rich. Uh, it's a very popular notion, and I think your election uh, validates that. Now, uh, I first got to know you a couple of years ago when I saw this incredible video of Go Viral, when you stood up at a meeting and you defended the Second Amendment, and people all across the nation were amazed by that. And it really brought attention to you in many different ways. You have a, a now a, a reputation for finding that winning argument. What is the winning argument that we that people who care about voter integrity, voter security, easier voting, how can it uh, be delivered in a way that millennials, whites, blacks, Latinos, factory workers, soccer moms, that they all can accept it and rally around it? 
I, I truly believe that number one, the number one thing that we need to do, we need to continue to, to preach the gospel that in order to secure our elections, in order to maintain the, the integrity of the vote, we need voter ID. That's number one. Number two, I believe that we need to, to help people to understand, and this is something that I have come to understand myself. Yes, we have a right to vote, but we also have a responsibility to do due diligence so that when the voting day comes, we are ready and able to carry out that right. Uh, it's going to take a combination of two things, understanding that we have a right and understanding the responsibilities we have in order to maintain those rights and to see that those rights are carried out in a, uh, in a fair and balanced and honest way. And uh, it starts with voter ID and then it moves to a myriad of things. But getting folks to understand, if you want your vote secured, uh, in order to cast that vote, you need that voter ID, just like you need that ID to, to withdraw your own money out of the bank. And so I think we're going to have to start sending that message and we're going to have to start pushing back against this leftist, this nonsense leftist idea that somehow by securing the vote with a voter ID that it's racist. Yeah, no, there is already a pretty large pushback. You can see now that early on the liberals won the early messaging war, but as this has gone on, there seems to be balance and understanding and some of the disinformation has been weeded out. Now in North Carolina, you had a ruling a couple of years ago where a judge blocked the voters' intent to institute voter ID. Tell us what's going on in your state. It's such an important state. It's always one of the battlegrounds. Where is the state of voter integrity uh, efforts in North Carolina? I think our, our state, uh, voter integrity in the state is pretty strong right now. The voter ID law, which was struck down by a liberal judge, has, that has been overturned, and voter ID is well on its way to becoming the law of the land here in North Carolina. North Carolina is in a very good place altogether. Uh, conservative leadership across this state has turned around every metric in this state since 2010, uh, voter integrity being one of those things. Uh, our elections, we didn't get everything we wanted, but by and large, we got a lot of things uh, that were very good, and we continue to see progress on that front as far as voter integrity goes, and we're just going to make it even better. Yeah, it, it, a lot of people are proud of what's been going on there, and they see it as a model. Lieutenant Governor, I can't thank you enough for joining us, for, for sharing what's going on and giving us some good wisdom on, a, on an issue that's really the defining civil rights issue of our time. Thank you again, and we look forward to having you back on again. All right, folks, that wraps things up for our special tonight. You've heard from the front lines, from policymakers, experts, and activists about the efforts nationwide to make voting easier and cheating harder. It is happening, and as some of our guests suggested tonight, it is poised to be the civil rights issue of our time. At Real America's Voice and Just the News, we are committed to getting you the facts of this very important issue so you can make up your own mind. And with that, we want to wish you a very good night.